Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Rowe. Today, we had a guest with us in the studio or virtually in the studio. Her name was uh, Nicole Koharik, and she is really a career marketer, career B2B marketer. Um, she's held a number of leadership positions in the marketing space, marketing communications, everything from manufacturing into healthcare manufacturing, and now works for a company called PartSource, which is really kind of a double-sided marketplace serving the the healthcare industry. And it sounds like a really cool and innovative company. I know a lot of manufacturing companies we work with uh, struggle trying to break into the healthcare space. And so her company helps that as one aspect, but she'll explain more about uh, what PartSource does in, in her background. But very educated marketer, um, believes in a lot of the, the same things that we preach here at 1IMS. So we got into a couple of good topics and uh, hopefully provide some value for all you listeners. Uh, please give us a like and a subscribe, share the podcast with a friend. But for now, we'll, we'll jump right in. We are joined today by a guest, Cole Koharik. She has been a uh, really a lifelong uh, B2B marketer. She's been in B2B marketing pretty much her, her entire uh, professional career. And her most recent position or her current position is as the Senior Director of Enterprise Marketing and Corporate Communications for a company called PartSource. So welcome, Nicole. We're, we're happy to have you. First, for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind kind of giving us a little bit of background on uh, yourself, but also PartSource and what PartSource does and what your current role entails. Thank you, Taylor. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk with Absolutely. you today. As you said, I am a, a lifelong B2B marketer with a passion. Mm -hmm. I actually spent 19 of my years in manufacturing environments before mm -hmm. I joined PartSource, my current employer. And PartSource is a 20-year-old healthcare technology company that serves over 5,000 healthcare providers, hospitals, acute care, and 6,000 suppliers, including all major OEMs original equipment manufacturers around the United States. So we're kind of in the middle connecting those two and really focused on improving the reliability and resiliency of the medical equipment supply chain. And we have the leading online marketplace, so e-commerce for medical equipment, parts and services. Perfect. So we appreciate that. And one of the reasons we're excited to have you on is, as I mentioned to you off air, Majority of our content and our focus and the guests that we've brought on have been focused on, I guess you would look at it as kind of external marketing, right? Uh, the, the brand positioning, the inbound marketing strategies for, you know, in, improving visibility and driving traffic to websites, those type of things. And I know you have experience in that and we'll, we'll get into that. But your current role is more of an internal communications role, correct? So can you kind of walk us through, you know, the differences between the two? Because I'm sure there's a lot of marketers out there that that is majority of their role is focusing on internal communication. So what does that entail and, and what does that mean at PartSource? Sure. It's exciting because when I think about my career, I'll just give a little bit of background. I actually mm -hmm. started, my education is in communications. My undergrad is in public relations and communications, mm -hmm. and I was the PR intern at my college. So I started in public relations, which I am now back to. And it's great because I have the opportunity to build PartSource's first corporate communications team focused on both internal and external stakeholders and really telling our brand story and helping okay. our everyone we serve, our healthcare providers, OEMs, our suppliers, 
and those we partner with about who we are and how we're quickly evolving to serve the evolving needs in the marketplace. So my role consists of content marketing, which is also Mm -hmm. a passion of mine, as well as employee communications, executive communications, and really telling our story through multiple channels, including our corporate social media. My team manages our LinkedIn, for example, very important Mm -hmm. platform for telling our story and engaging our stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the content marketing piece. Uh, you know, it's something we talk about on nearly every podcast about the importance of not only creating valuable content, focusing on the quality of that content rather than kind of just going through the motions, which obviously in the communications role of PR, that's extremely important, uh, more than, you know, even more so than you know, people who may be in a, a role where they're creating blog posts for SEO purposes or something like that, where they, they don't take as much of an emphasis on the quality of the content, which of course they should. So I, I want to kind of get into your uh, you know content marketing strategy, at least the content that, that you own or your team owns. How do you go about developing you know a content calendar? What does that content creation process look like? Do you develop it all internally? Are you using external partners? How does that work? Well, just like you said, Taylor, I think what, when I think about content, it's ultimately about value creation. How can we create value for those we serve in terms of education, inspiration, and helping them to understand new ways to think about their problems? And my team has been really working hard on a content strategy for the organization that really starts with our business strategy. So that's one of the things I think about when in all my years of experience, the best strategies in marketing or communications really start with a sound understanding of that business strategy. What are we trying to accomplish? So what I did is I lined up every business goal that we have for the year with a kind of mini content strategy. What are we trying to do? Whether it's conditioning a certain audience for understanding a new offering, whether it's really, you know, demand generation and Mm -hmm. trying to get that engagement in order to provide a a conversation for or a door opening for, if you will, for a salesperson, Mm -hmm. or even if it's just repositioning the company, our name is PartSource and we're regarded as a parts company because that was our, our past, but we're doing so many great things now. And that's one of my, um, you know, major challenges and opportunities is to help reposition the company with the right communications. So everyone is not only aware of what we do and what we can offer them, but we're really building that top of funnel awareness and understanding of how we can help with the innovation that we've driven over the past several years, way beyond parts into launching the world's largest service platform, for example. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that we're doing and that each of those strategies and growth opportunities has a unique strategy that starts with business strategy. And then after we look at that, we look at the persona. Who are we targeting? And we have multiple personas. So I have my team structured to focus on where I have a specialist for each persona because I believe when you really get deep into understanding that persona and living with that persona and understanding the unique goals and aspirations and needs and pain points of that persona, you can really deliver valuable content. And you Mm. can't really do that without it. So it's so important to understand those personas and to 
validate that through research. So that's something we did recently through a, a branding project we're working on is validating those personas and making sure that those personas that guide the content are on track. And we actually had a great working session in the office recently where we talked about what are the key themes, communication mm-hmm. themes that we want to communicate. And I think that's an important piece of it because if you identify the top three themes for each audience aligned with their goals and aspirations, and pain points, then you can really make sure that the scope is not too large and that you're creating relevant content, but it's also scalable and you can create enough content for that certain audience. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there was a lot in there. Uh, a lot <laughs> of great, great points that yeah, I completely agree with. The first being, we typically pose a question, right? If we look at our job as marketers and we work with our clients, the first question we have to kind of ask ourselves is, how do we get everyone in our market to know who we are and understand what we offer, right? Exactly. Really, that's the job as marketers. And, and you talked about a couple of challenges there. Uh, for many companies, you have uh, one scenario where, you know, we kind of look at ourselves as, you know, we hear this all the time, like we're kind of the best kept secret, right, in the industry. If we only could get more people to know who we are, we'd win more customers. We have great customer ser- service, great, you know, product, great service, whatever that is. And then the other piece that you mentioned, which is something that I think is a little unique in terms of what we talk about a lot on the, the show, but not unique to marketers is changing the perspective within our customer base, right? Is we're seen as, you know, this parts company, but we're trying to transform, we're trying to evolve and we have so much more to offer and we have to kind of change the, the internal perspective of what our customers think of us or how they think of us, right? So that's definitely a unique challenge. And the other piece that I thought was very interesting that I want to kind of break down is So it sounds like you said you have a specialist or a content writer uh, specifically for each persona that you're, you're writing messaging for. Is that correct? Yes. We don't have one for every persona, but I have a person assigned to each persona. Got it. So you have people that own each of the different personas. I think right. that's a great idea. So if you idea. think about it, just I'll break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, top of funnel, uh, mm-hmm. prospects who we're nurturing into a relation into a relationship with our contracted uh, flagship solution, Partsource Pro, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's one person who focuses on our social media and top of funnel awareness and content for that audience. And then at the other side, if you think about the journey, I have someone who focuses solely on existing existing clients and communicating um, to them around all the platform features and how they can get the most value out of the solution and the relationship. So if you think about all the way from top of funnel to loyalty and experience, um, very different objectives, right? So I have two Mm -hmm. different people focused on those areas. Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things we talked about, we talk about a lot is like the team structure essentially or the skill set of skill sets that it takes to really uh, have a content engine. Uh, one of which is kind of what we call a subject matter expert, right? Which in your case, you're looking at as uh, someone who really is ingrained with that mindset of uh, each of these personas, right? And you could have someone managing multiple personas, could be one person that has multiple skill sets, but you still need that skill set, right? And then really you, you still need, uh, whether again, that's the same person, but you need someone that's has a create, uh, that creative component to it, right? Because now we're creating content, whether that's video content, written content, blog posts, email, social media, right? Um, and you need someone who can actually take that expertise and translate it into these 
digital channels that we're trying to leverage. And then obviously we need to distribute the content, right? So how are we promoting it? And if we get into, I'm not sure if your team gets into, you know, paid promotion on social media or anything like that, or if it's all organic, but that's a whole different skill set, right? Um, and then obviously you have someone like yourself who's, you know, kind of the visionary and strategist over top of everything to you know, manage and make sure that uh, the team is, you know, executing at a high level. So I'm curious on the, um, the, the different skill sets that you have there. Do you have, um, like if you're writing a blog post or you're sharing on social media, is that the same person or do you have other team members coming in and helping with graphics and, um, you know, measuring, uh, you know, different metrics or analytics on social media? Um, how does, how does that part of that team structure work? Sure. We have a bench of um, external partners, I'll say, that help us with the packaging, so graphic design. And um, internally, in addition to my new team um, in marketing, we also have a digital um, you know, performance marketing team and mm-hmm. we have an operations leader. And I work closely with them to um, work on, you know, the metrics and the setting up the right reporting and Google Analytics and everything. So my team can really focus on strategy, messaging, content um, conception and uh, Mm -hmm. production and delivery. So my team kind of takes it from the concept all the way in the planning, all the way to... um, Sometimes, uh, we do a mix. So we'll, we'll write internally in some cases. And then in some cases, um, we'll have a third party, um, you know, from the bench of writers and mm-hmm. graphic designers that we partner with. But I like to think about those people as an extension of our team because sure. it's so important and it's complicated. So, um, we, we work with people and, uh, really cultivate those relationships so they understand who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. And it's worked out pretty well. Um, <clears throat> we also have, um, uh, kind of for the way I think about kind of separating them is like major technical, um, content pieces like white papers, for example, mm-hmm. we like to work with industry experts. So mm-hmm. in addition to our internal SMEs or subject matter experts across the business and our own leadership team, we also work with industry thought leaders and, mm-hmm. and we're always working with them kind of, um, on a, you know, advisory basis to understand what's happening in the industry and getting their fresh perspective on it and integrating that into our story and making sure that our communications and our content are really relevant for the challenges that our partners are facing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have a a perfect, you know, setup and structure there. And uh, I really like the way that you're, you're thinking about this and, uh, you know, ultimately going to market with this. Um, did you mention earlier that this this uh, was a new division or the first uh, first position? You were the first one in this position at the company. That's correct. It's exciting. I, when I was preparing for this and thinking about my career, I think I'm I thrive most in new situations, right? So, mm-hmm. um, being able to uh, to establish a new team. Um, kind of an extension of the marketing team. We're still part of marketing, but now marketing, when I started, marketing was four people and, mm-hmm. and that was only less, 
you know, less than three years ago. Yeah. And now um, we're one of three teams within marketing. So rapidly growing company. And I'm really thrilled that we're able to expand the team to be able to deliver on the, the goals that the company has uh, set for itself. But yes, corporate communications is a new function uh, within PartSource. And I came in actually as a product uh, marketing director. So focused on strategy and process for commercializing new products. And I learned a lot about the portfolio and the business in that position. And then I was um, moved into the enterprise role with the corporate communications, kind of wearing two hats for a while. And Mm -hmm. we've recently hired um, someone to take on the enterprise piece. So now I can focus on the corporate communications piece and really building a content engine and building Mm -hmm. that awareness that we need in the marketplace and um, engaging our customers in a meaningful way through that relationship. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes, uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation, or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. That's impressive and exciting because we work with a lot of marketers and a lot of companies that maybe are immature in terms of their understanding of marketing and really what it takes to be successful. And they try to do everything that you're talking about uh, with, like you said, that three or four person marketing team, right? And uh, I'm curious on, you know, what challenges you had or was this was this spearheaded by by you and your marketing team or was this something that came from the top down of, you know, hey, we really need to grow and expand our, our marketing resources. Was that something that you, you got a lot of internal pushback on or uh, was something that was pretty natural and, and brought on from the top down? I'm so glad you asked that question because it was actually a both and. Um, <laughs> our CMO is amazing and he runs, you know, all of marketing and I lead one team and mm. we work closely together and we came to the conclusion that this was the right approach, especially given the aspirations and the growth goals that we have as a company. And as you said, awareness is everything and we have a lot of awareness to build because we are one of those best kept secrets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about the challenge to undo that and make sure everyone knows who PartSource is and all the great work we're doing uh, for mission-critical operations. Um, And at the same time, we were doing an analysis of our go-to-market strategy, and that was one of the recommendations to pull out a team to focus on building the brand and telling our story and creating that top-of-funnel awareness and managing the public relations and everything else that comes with it. So it worked out great because um, on a a parallel path, uh, two groups kind of came to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's great to hear. Um, 
So one other thing I wanted to to make sure we touch on is you you talked about you know starting with those business goals, business objectives, working backwards from there, and saying okay, you know if if we want to accomplish this, what does that look like, right? Which ultimately led to well, we need to expand our marketing resources, we need to create more content, we need to engage our audience, we need to you know focus on education and value based content. That's that's great. It's a logical conclusion where we see a lot of companies, um, you know. Uh, I guess give up on that strategy is when it comes, you know, six months down the road, a year down the road, we've been creating all this content. Maybe we're not sure how to measure success or we're not sure how to draw a line between our activities and our ultimate business goal, which is ultimately driving revenue, right? So how do you guys measure success internally? What sort of KPIs are you uh, looking at when it comes to social media and PR and communications? Sure. So because we're just starting out this function, we wanted to create a baseline. So what we did is we looked at um, uh, our audience, right? So part of the goal is to expand our audience. So for example, I have a goal this year to um, expand our LinkedIn following, which we just achieved 8,000 followers yesterday. So I was excited about that. Thank you. (laughs) And I have a goal to um, increase that to 10,000 this year. So expanding our audience is an important piece of it. That's one. And then also looking at not only that, you know, who's following and, um, is our message, um, you know, visible to the right people, but also are they engaging with the content? So content consumption on our website and how much time are they spending and what are they looking at? And we're working on, um, getting smarter at that with the right technologies. Uh, mm-hmm. but right now we have a great resources section on our corporate website with our, our webinars and our blogs and our white papers and all of the great content we do. And, um, I have a great opportunity to, uh, you know, drive more, more traffic. And that's one of the key measures is looking at, um, on a monthly basis, our, uh, website traffic, especially, um, not only to the e-commerce site, but to that resource section and how are people engaging with our content. So working on understanding that more. And then the third area is really around um, understanding kind of the response or the feedback, right? Every time we communicate, um, it it, it gets tricky, (laughs) this one, Mm -hmm. because um, a lot of it comes from our sales team and they tell us how customers are responding. But I'm really excited. So for example, we just um, started in December um, an ongoing cadence of communications around the, the current global supply chain challenges. And um, we're getting great feedback from the sales team that our customers are really appreciating this information. We're communicating, proactively communicating trends to our mm-hmm. customers around what's happening um, with certain product categories and certain suppliers. And they're appreciating that information. So we don't always see it in the um, open rates and clicks, uh, which are kind of, you know, a little, little bit of vanity metrics. But what I really care about is what does the customer say? And when, um, you know, our account director comes and tells me, hey, you know, this customer uh, took your communication and put it on the bulletin board and used it in a meeting to talk about what's happening and to help other people manage expectations, you know, that's a win for me. So I do care, yeah. in addition to the hard metrics, about, you know, what we hear in terms of how customers are really receiving that information. 
Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're new into a marketing role or you're you know leading a marketing role and you're not doing those two things, which is talking to your salespeople and talking to your customers, um, I, I really think that's a big missed opportunity because what you, I mean, that story you just told, uh, something we hear all the time, uh, you know, somebody took, took a, uh, you know, they took a screenshot of something that they saw in a social media post and then they chatted it in Slack to someone internally. And then, you know, they, like you said, printed it off, put it on a bulletin board. None of that is going to show up in an analytics report or an attribution report. Uh, but that's how people communicate, right? Is they communicate to each other offline, especially when you're trying to spread the word about something internally um, or through chat or through, you know, messengers, things that you're not going to be able to see and measure. Uh, and you could easily give up on on something, you know, if it, it didn't have as much, you know, like you said, vanity metrics as you thought it would. Uh, but it's about the quality, right? Especially in B2B marketing, it's about who who is actually consuming our content. What are they doing with that? How are they interacting and engaging? So uh, I, I love that, making sure that we're aligning our metrics with the intention of our, uh, our you know, the, the marketing channel or whatever we're trying to accomplish, right? A lot of people, I think, lose sight of that and they say, okay, well, this is awareness-based campaign. Great. Uh, and okay, we got all these views and these likes and these visits to our website, but you know, we didn't generate any leads. So, you know, but that was not the intention of that particular campaign, right? That was an awareness campaign. We should use awareness metrics. So um, all, all great stuff there. Hopefully, um, if you're listening, you're taking notes because um, those are those are exactly what, what we preach to our clients as well. Uh, I want to shift gears here uh, quickly and talk about um, your experience in the manufacturing space. So one of the um, one of the industries that uh, we really focus on as a company at YMS and clients that we work with, um, we even had some some uh, similarities in terms of we work with some industrial coding uh, companies. I know you had experience in the industrial coding space. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the couple of manufacturing um, companies that you worked for, and we'll dive into that. Happy to, Taylor. Um, I learned so much early in my career, and I was really fortunate uh, to have a, a leadership position pretty early on. I My first leadership position was for, uh, as you mentioned, the industrial floor coatings manufacturer, um, Garland Floor Company. And when I started at Garland, I was a marketing specialist, and I was focused on really more marketing communications. And then uh -huh. the person who um, who recruited me actually ended up leaving the company. He was the marketing manager. And it was a very, as you said, one of those small teams where there's a couple uh -huh. people trying to do everything. Uh -huh. And um, I was just hungry to you know dive in and learn and do what I could and have all these experiences. Well, he left the company. So then my position ended up reporting up through sales, which actually was a, a huge blessing um, in disguise because at the time I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because I really didn't understand the whole... <laughs> You know, sales and marketing. I was in my twenties, um, but at the same time, um, it was great because I did get that firsthand experience and engagement with sales, and I learned how to integrate sales and marketing. And I was quickly promoted to a marketing manager and basically running marketing for the entire company. And um, 
I remember when I was promoted, I asked for one direct report so I could have some help. And I ended up um, having uh, responsibility for the entire sales support team. <laughs> so um, that worked out great because in addition to kind of the marketing planning and execution and results measurement nationally for the company, um, I ended up learning uh pretty quickly how to integrate sales and marketing and managing those sales support reps who were making appointments for, mm -hmm. um, for our sales team and uh, really working very closely with the sales team. And I was often brought out into the field to present and work on collaborative marketing uh, with mm -hmm. our contractor partners. So we were a manufacturer of industrial um uh, polyurethane and epoxy floor coatings mm -hmm. for concrete. And one of the innovative things that I did in that role was established um, a program, which was a cooperative marketing program, where uh, we realized quickly that we didn't have um, access to the end user or the facility. Uh, typically, it was through the contractor. So we went to market with the contractor and created a co-op marketing program with an incentive for them to buy in. And um, it was great because it, it worked really well. Um, it was not only successful, it strengthened our relationships with our, with our contractor partners. And it really led to, um, you know, significant more, uh, I'd say insight from the end users because we were receiving that information back into the, um, into the office. And I got to learn more about the end users through the information because we finally had access to them because we were going in with our, uh, contractors. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty common, um, you know, for a lot of manufacturing companies to have that disconnect because they're selling through distribution partners, channel partners. Um, and so, you know, they, some companies do a re really good job of exactly, like you said, marketing, co-marketing, marketing on their behalf, handing or marketing to that end customer, communicating to that, communicating to the end customer, and then handing the leads off to the distribution uh, channels, obviously giving those reps leads, uh, in strengthens that relationship because they're happy to, to get more business without having to pay for it. So it's really a win-win situation, but not a lot of manufacturing companies do that. And the fact that you were doing that, you know, back in the day and having that sales and marketing alignment is, uh, is pretty impressive. Um, I'm curious at, at what point in your career, um, you know, between, um, either, uh, Garland or, uh, Gojo, which we could talk about as well. Um, did your, did the, the main marketing channel, if you will, shift more towards a di digital inbound marketing uh, versus maybe some more traditional uh, marketing efforts? That's a great question. <clears throat> I was reflecting on that and the change um, in marketing overall from back then and now. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about <laughs> those days, but um, it was a great exercise because I did uh, realize that, you know, back in the floor coatings days and early Gojo days, it was very, you know, event driven, which I think is actually still consistent at PartSource. We do a lot of event marketing as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it was also uh, very print heavy, right? So back, mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh, projects and success stories from the floor coding days was literally creating, I have a graphic design minor um, from mm -hmm. college. I haven't designed a thing you know, in years, but uh, <laughs> that definitely paid off and helped me um, in my career because I was able to take in a lot of the uh, brochure design and everything for that company and save a lot of money and, and reallocate it to these new innovative projects. 
programs. And um, I designed our most successful direct mailer, direct mail, <laughs> um, for this product called Chemitop 900. It was the um, toughest resurfacer product. So um, it was all about you know, how you could do anything to this floor and it would not, you know, it would last for, for so long and it was impact resistant. And I had a lot of fun with that. And I remember, um, I designed that while I was pregnant with my son. And, uh, when I came back, um, and I learned, uh, you know, how successful it was and we had all these responses, you know, so mm-hmm. that's going way back to the paper responses that used to come in the mail, yeah. um, <laughs> those lead forms, but it was great. And it was the most successful direct mail uh, piece that, um, you know, the company had ever done. And for me, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but that taught me the whole process from beginning to end to planning, to writing, to Mm. designing, to targeting, (laughs) you know, it was really my introduction to lead generation and -hmm. it was really successful. So um, we don't do that anymore. We definitely don't do (laughs) direct mail anymore. Uh, But um, I think when I was at Gojo, uh, my my focus shifted quite a bit to enterprise marketing, so cross department kind of um, initiatives that had value across different markets. So Gojo has many vertical markets, including healthcare, which is actually where I fell in love with healthcare and why I ended up at Partsource because I really wanted to. Um, uh, I I'm a very service oriented person and I have a passion for healthcare. So at Garland or at Gojo rather, um, I had the opportunity to kind of apply those same things that I learned um, at, at Garland around research and insight and customers. And instead of contractors at Gojo, it was distributors and those relationships mm-hmm. and um, same, same kind of thing. But instead of, you know, direct mail, it was really around, um, you know, social media and, um, email and, you know, more digital communication. So definitely saw a a change and even less advertising. I think we did a lot of print advertising uh, back Mm -hmm. in my floor coding days. One of my uh, favorite, uh, another uh, fun PR story is at um, Garland Floor. There was this plant services magazine and we we were able to capture a... um, a feature story about our floor coatings company called the Fab Floor. And we actually mm-hmm. reenacted the Beatles <laughs> um, mm-hmm. album cover. And it was, um, you know, people from the company. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I can't say I get to do things like that anymore because <laughs> we're yeah. not really focused on that. But I am still focused on earning recognition for, yeah. you know, for part source and um, gaining that awareness as we talked about earlier. But it's definitely instead of kind of as broad as it used to be. It was kind of like a, you know, let's, it was SIC codes back then. And now it's personas, right? Like how do you target? Um, Before people were kind of, the targeting was more like criteria based. And now it's about what's happening, you know, in their heads and in their, in their hearts and what do they want to accomplish? So I think that's another piece of that evolution from, um, you know, marketing back then and now. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because it's, um, you know, people are so much more accessible today that you could reach them so much easier because there's so many channels, but that almost makes it harder and overwhelming. Because like you said, back in the day, it was, you just sent a direct mail or you, you know, you were uh, written about in a publication or you took out an ad in a newspaper or you had a billboard. I mean, 
a TV spot, radio spot. I mean, you had like six options, right? And now we have like a thousand options and we have a half a second to, you know, capture someone's attention. So you have to be everywhere and you have to, like you said, focus on their mindset and their stage of the buyer's journey and those type of things, their level of awareness, level of education versus just let's pull a list of SAC codes and run a direct mailer and have a, a funny slogan on there, a funny picture, right? <laughs> to try to capture their attention. So uh, it's interesting how that's evolved. Um, like I said, it's, 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 it's easier to through technology to, to know and guarantee you're going to reach someone. Uh, but it seems like it's even harder to really capture their attention and, and provide value. So, um, that's a great yeah, point I think that it's definitely a challenge <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's harder to manage the brand message too, because there's yeah. so many channels, so many touch points. And I like to say with branding, every touch matters. So it's way beyond marketing's control, right? So we have to really work across the organization to, to help get everyone on the same page. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Nicole, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, hopefully uh, all of you listeners, um, you know, learn something. I think the way that Nicole approaches uh, marketing and obviously your experience and the way that uh, your career has progressed and you've kind of seen, uh, you know, digital uh, transformation, right? And been able to been on the forefront of that uh, with all of your roles in these different uh, marketing organizations. So that's exciting. Uh, one more time for our listeners, if someone is listening that that might be um, able to leverage part source, uh, you know, who is who is part source for? Who do you serve and, and, you know, who should use it and why should they use it? Sure. So ParTSource is the leading online marketplace for healthcare equipment um, and the medical device supply chain. We serve over 5,000 uh, hospitals and over 6,000 OEMs. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I know you have a manufacturing audience. Um, the work we do for OEMs is really groundbreaking too. Uh, so it's not mm-hmm. just about providers, it's about partnering with our suppliers um, mm-hmm. and helping them expand their reach and helping them them um, with insights and analytics that only we can provide to help them improve that customer experience. So really innovative company growing and um, very, uh, you know, focused on serving the the mission um, in healthcare. And um, we're hiring too. So (laughs) Um, there's also uh, uh, many remote positions available. So definitely we're we're in uh, um, Aurora, Ohio. you might be more familiar with Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I live. Um, but uh, definitely check out PartSource for a great company to join. And I'm, you know, I couldn't be happier in my career. So follow PartSource on LinkedIn. Help me get to that ten thousand <laughs> goal. Yeah, yeah. and um, I'd love to connect with anyone who'd like to connect personally as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. And uh, for all you listeners, please give us a like and subscribe as well. And uh, tune in next week for a new episode. Thanks, Taylor. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. 
And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight all right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.